see everyone. If you open your Bibles to Luke chapter, chapter, got to get mine open here. Turn this page. All right. Luke chapter 11. And uh, let's see, we got to, didn't we? Yeah, we got to verse, should be starting verse 37. Chapter 11. Yes, that's right. To make sure that, I checked that last night and then forgot it this morning. <clears throat> so, uh, <clears throat> as we have noticed, uh, Luke here in his account is teaching us about discipleship and warning about the kinds of disciples that are around him, uh, especially these Pharisees and scribes, or as they're called here in uh, Luke, lawyers. And so we'll, we'll look a little bit at that and, uh, and then move on, hopefully, get, to, uh, get into chapter 12. Uh, this this lesson. So let's notice. Uh, let's notice. We'll begin here at verse thirty-seven. Before we do, let's begin with prayer. Father, thank you for the blessings of this day and how you have cared for us so much. We appreciate it and appreciate it more than we can ever express to you. But please help us to live in a way that would be worthy of what you have asked us to do. Help us in our study this morning as we learn and be able to teach others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, Luke uh, 11, verse 37. Let's notice this text. is going to go on down to uh, verse 44. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he, ha he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give, us alm, give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. All right, just look at the setting there for a second and tell me if you put yourself in the setting, if you will, and, uh, and tell me your response to this or, or what, what you think is, uh, is, is pretty crazy here in this text. Shocking, something like that. I'm trying to use as many adjectives as I can here. What, what's, what's surprising about the text? Yeah. 
Yeah, good. Is is uh, you imagine going to to dinner uh, at uh, at somebody's house and you end up ripping everybody that's in the house. <laughs> you, you you just basically take them all apart. Uh, and and as you said, that's a good point, Josh. You know, they start with something just this outward cleansing physical thing of washing hands before you eat. And uh, he just turns around and goes after every one of them because of their emphasis on the outside and no emphasis on the inside. So it's, it's, a, it's a really, um, if we put it in today's terms, you probably wouldn't get dinner, or if you did, you'd get it in your lap. Uh, it's, it's pretty shocking how he he just uh, goes straight into uh, what he what they're doing here, and and hits the essence of what the scribes, Pharisees, and the uh, Jewish nation at this time is doing. So, yeah, good good overview right there. What what are some of the details now that you would want to highlight if you were uh, teaching somebody or, or need to explain? Okay, good, good. So first off, God, as far as religion is concerned and serving him, he's not just looking at the outside. He's looking at their hearts, and the heart is going to have to change if you're going to be pleasing to God. So that that would be definitely one of the critical points we would want to get across somebody we're teaching. Okay, what else? Yeah, and, and that's, you know, that's a good point, Louis, because it's easy to do the outside. It's easy to do what's seen on the outside. That, that's, the, that, that's simple. Uh, changing the inside is, is much, much more difficult. And, and actually cleaning the heart and keeping our motives and all the things that we're supposed to be doing right uh, is, uh, is, is really, really critical. And that, that's... Uh, very, very important. Okay? Good part of essence of that. All right? What else do you see? Yeah. I think if you're discussing this with someone, verse 42 could be confusing. Um, this concept of, of tithing. You know, potentially, if if someone you're speaking with has some exposure to Christianity, they, they may have some concept of the word tithe. Um, so you may have to discuss, like, what is the, what's the point he's making here? Um, we think of tithing being money, so you just give some money. Um, but, but fundamentally here, he is pointing out that they get very, very prescriptive so much that they're, they're going literally through their spice cabinet, which would have been valuable, but they're going yeah. through their spice cabinet sure. and, and tithing a portion of every single one of their of their spices um, to make sure that they adhere to this one aspect of uh, the law um, and then immediately makes the point that while they are so particular in following this one physical aspect of the law, they immediately turn around and completely ignore concepts like mercy and justice. Yeah, so it's good. Uh, and and anybody know what a person, say, in just general religious world, 
uh, would believe a tithe was? What, what, how, would, how do you think they would describe tithe? 10%. Okay, so, you know, that, that some wouldn't even know that. They would just see tithe as giving in some kind of way. So they don't usually have much reference to what tithe is, plus they would believe that that still exists today, that we are still supposed to tithe. And so there, there would probably be some discussion about that when you're studying with somebody of explaining first and foremost the tithe of the Old Testament was a 10%. That 10% went to the Levites and priests since they had no land. And then the Levites and priests were able to, would give a tenth of that to the cause of the Lord, but they were being provided for by that nine-tenths. Uh, so that, that's what went on there. Today, and I just use, sometimes will just reference this, today, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 would indicate that we give from the heart, we give liberally, but there isn't a percentage that God gives us. Um, sometimes I'm talking to somebody and I'd say, you know, after all, if somebody was at a poverty level, maybe giving 10% would be way too much. It might, you know, uh, harm, <laughs> make it so they couldn't live. Whereas somebody that's making, um, you know, two or $300,000 a year, maybe 10% is not very significant to them. And that wouldn't be giving as maybe they should. So there's a lot of different ways to look at that. And it would come then from the heart. And it's not a percentage anymore. As people wonder about that, especially because, I mean, you, you go to some churches and, and um, that is a highlight. <laughs> you might not take the Lord's Supper that week, but you will definitely uh, have the collection plate passed to you sometimes twice or three times. So it, uh, it, it, it becomes a major issue with people in the world today as far as church is concerned. It turns them off, obviously. So anyway, there's some explanations that you, that you would need to give with that. Do you see something in this text that Luke says that Matthew didn't say? You know, this is uh, mirrors Matthew's account where Matthew talked about this in Matthew 23. Uh, different scene, different incident, but still there's, there's something, there's some things here that Luke says that Matthew doesn't say in explaining these things. Did you spot any of those? if you can remember what Matthew said about the tithing, etc., and the outside and the inside. Oh, yeah, this, this idea of um, if you, yeah, if, if you will... Give alms of those things that are within. Behold, everything is clean. Uh, so if you will, in other words, give and serve God from what's going on inside you, your, your heart and everything is what it ought to be, then everything else is going to be clean. It's everything else is going to come out right. Uh, and that's so true. Uh, out of the heart come uh, the... Uh, the, the, the desires of God and what we ought to be doing to, in order to in order to serve God. So you do you do have that particular point that's made. Good. Um, th did you notice anything else that's different? 
Again, I know you have to remember what he said in Matthew, but... Probably just spot some things that are new to you because we don't we we generally read Matthew more than Luke. But can you spot some things that are just new sentences that are different to you? No. Yeah, so there's things Matthew does say that Luke doesn't say. That that's exactly right. He he uh, he uses a little bit different uh, uh, picture there in verse 44. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. Okay, so what was the problem with walking over a grave to a Jew? Yeah, this, that was that was anyone touch uh, where the dead were. That would be that would be unclean. And he says, so so you're like an unmarked tomb. You personally, he's saying, are like an unmarked tomb, meaning. Say again. Yeah, they 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 you you. You're the kind of people that when people touch you and get around you, you destroy them. <laughs> you make them unclean in a real literal sense. You, you're not doing anybody. You're like a, a, a tomb of, of dead bones. And when people come in contact with you, not even realizing it, you're destroying them. Matthew's account would say that you, you travel over land and sea to make one proselyte and you make him twofold more the child of hell than you are. Can't imagine some preacher telling you that, but <laughs> Jesus certainly did. And the idea being is that you, you, you can see how deep their... Um, the, the uh, uh, just messed up way they have made the Jewish religion. What God made is no longer recognizable. Jesus has walked into something that the entire uh, nation has accepted and allowed these leaders to lead them into, and they are totally unaware of, of where they are and how bad off they are. And everybody would say, well, if you're not a Jew, if you're not a child of Abraham, if you're not within the pale of Israel, you can't be saved. And Jesus is saying, you're in the pale of Israel and you're not saved because of how you are treating my law and how you're treating how this is all supposed to come down as far as service to God. That's, that's a great warning for us. We get comfortable just in, oh, well, you know, we pride ourselves on trying to do the right thing and follow the right scriptures and all of that. But those can be just outward too and not following what he's saying here. I, I thought one of the things that, that stood out to me was what he says in verse uh, 40. Uh, and I know he's saying a different way than Matthew does, but it just, it is different. Uh, verse 40, you fools, did he not made, uh, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? Okay, you're trying to cleanse the outside because you're all concerned about the outside. 
Didn't God make your guts too? <laughs> Didn't God make your heart too? Didn't God make your brain too? Doesn't He expect you to cleanse that part too? <laughs> See, that, that, that really struck me as, as even more pointed than, than the parable of clean. if you clean the inside of the cup, the outside will be clean. But in this case... Didn't you, didn't you understand that God made all of you? He made inside and outside, and you need to clean up what's going on in your heart and your mind. That's what you need to clean up. But you didn't care about that. Okay, what did he say? What did, what's your observations? Let's put it this way. What's your observations about verse, uh, verse 42? Similar to some of the things that Matt, to what Matthew said, but different in some ways too. Don't just look at the differences. What what message would you want to get across from that? This is one of the more abused texts, by the way. This is abused by a lot of people. Uh, Julie. Yeah, okay, so there, there's definitely, again, this ritual outside. But then there's this mention of the love of God. That's, that's the one little phrase. Matthew didn't use that. Matthew used justice and mercy and faithfulness. And here he uses, and love of God would fit faithfulness, but here he uses, you, you have neglected justice and you've like neglected the love of God. Now, can you obey all of God's commandments and neglect the love of God? Meticulously trying to obey. Yes, you can. What church did Jesus condemn for that? Ephesus. Church at Ephesus, Revelation 2, exactly. He commended them on every imaginable thing that you could commend a church on as far as what they were doing. But he says, you've lost your first love. I'm not your first love. You can do all of those things, and I'm not your first love. You can see that in a marriage. Very easily. Sometimes marriages are that way. Yeah, I, I make sure I'm faithful to do, uh, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But everything else is your first love besides her or besides him. So there, there's a, a definite differentiation there. Um, the last part of that verse. Yeah, go ahead. Not showing up at all. And to the, and to the 
Yeah. Malachi is a great, <laughs> a great uh, text uh, to show the same thing he's doing here. Uh, they made sure they offered sacrifices, but it was not to honor God. It, they, they, you know, we can, and I, I don't know if you ever made this connection, but we can treat God like the pagans treated an idol, an appeasement. We're trying to do enough to appease God so that the volcano doesn't blow up on us. <laughs> it's that, that sort of, 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 of way of trying to serve him, and it, it's, it's just dishonoring. The other thing that comes to mind, what Jesus is saying in verse, in that, in verse 42 there, 43, is uh, it, it also becomes easy to pick and choose the ones that you either agree with. Uh, so it's not really obedience, it's, it's easy because you agree with it. So I'll do that because it's easier. Um, and God never said that serving Him and glorifying Him would be easy. Um, that to me is the broad way. And the wide path, the narrow way, is obeying all of these commands because you love them for what he's done. Yeah. That, that, that is so critical. You pick and choose. <laughs> and that, that, is, that is something that's so easily done. It is common uh, for every single person, doesn't matter who, who you are. Uh, you, we want to highlight the commands that are easy for us, the commands that we agree with, and those commands that are really hard for us or we just plain don't want to do, and, and we just kind of neglect that and, uh, and say, well, you know, after all, look at all that I'm doing. This is much easier. And then turn around and condemn other people for the ones we do really well and they're not doing. And that's, uh, it's a real, real danger here. Yeah, Louis. Yeah. Very, very true. We, we all have certain areas that I may be weak in, you may be strong in, vice versa, and by being together and encouraging one another, we can help overcome those things and help help uh, with those without un at the same time understanding that I may be helping you with something weak, but I can, you can turn around and help me with something weak because none of us are like, oh, every, every spot on me is strong. I, I've got all that together. That isn't true. We're all struggling with sin. Here's where the abuse of this comes in. I have heard so many people, and especially people in the church, uh, who uh, are frustrated with, and, and I, I get frustrated with it as well. They're frustrated with the overemphasis of tithing, mint, dill, anise, and cumin. In other words, the overemphasis of making sure we get every single law right. And so they see that as an overemphasis. Yes, there is an overemphasis there quite often. And then the neglect of the weightier matters. I think we see that today as well. It's easy to do. The weightier matters of law and justice and righteousness and mercy, those are weightier matters. But the last part of this verse says, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. And that's what Chip was bringing up here. You, you, you can't weigh one against another. Yes, if you're following the love of God and righteousness and faithfulness and mercy, guess what's going to happen? You'll be careful to obey the littler things that don't seem to be that important, but you don't throw the other out. 
And that's, I've looked at that and seen that for 30, 40 years now of those who really deep down, it's evident they just want to throw out any commandment God gave that uh, they think is insignificant uh, for the love of God, you know. Well, if you love me, you're going to be careful to obey me. Where does it say that? Uh, uh. <laughs> Got to go to the Old Testament. Our, 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 our favorite chapter, Ezekiel 36, remember? He says, if you, he says, when I put my spirit in you, it's going to cause you to be careful to obey me. It's going to cause you to be careful to obey me. Deuteronomy 30 verse 6 says, I'm going to circumcise your heart and it's going to cause you to love me with all your heart and soul, mind, and strength. So anybody who suggests that well, we just keep these weightier matters, and that means we, you know, this other stuff God doesn't, doesn't really care about. Well, then why don't you just pick the Bible up and throw it in the mud? Because the Bible has a lot of details of things he wants us to be careful to obey. And uh, it's silliness to, to think otherwise. All right, so, so a lot of things there. You're, you're, you're going to need to uh, explain Pharisees washing hands, Right? Okay, this is not washing hands because your hands got dirty and you need to wash because there might be virus or bacteria on your hands or something like that. Uh, I don't think uh, uh, they'd, in, they'd invented uh, germs yet as far as, at least in their brain. They, they didn't know they were there. So, uh, yeah, here we have a different kind of washing. And the Pharisees had an elaborate washing of mentioned this to you before, pouring water over the hands and dripping off the wrist and same thing, and then the other way and rubbing it together and a few different mechanisms like that, and then clean. And that was, that was the idea of how they did that. Okay, uh, look at some of the other things. 43, uh, what is the problem there? 40, verse 43. What do you think, Brad? What's the problem with verse 43? What's, what are they, uh, <clears throat> what, what, were their, what were they doing wrong there? Yeah, why, but why? Couldn't hear you. Yeah, I think they're better than everybody else. They're trying to get glory, aren't they? So again, it's that outward glory. That's right. They're trying to get outward glory, outward notice. They want, uh, they want, want somebody to, to notice them. We want the best parts, all of this. And, so, and then the greetings in the marketplaces. How were they greeted in the marketplaces, according to Matthew's account, that they loved? Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi. Oh, hi, Rabbi. Father, Father, you know. That's a love, that kind of thing. And he, of course, in Matthew's again, he condemned their dress. They would uh, put on uh, uh, clothes that uh, had long, uh, had big phylacteries and long uh, tinkly things on the bottom and the, the fringes and all that stuff and walked around looking high and mighty. And uh, it, was, it was just the, the arrogance of the whole thing. Yeah. This can look a lot different today. Obviously, we don't wear those types of clothes, and we may not be guilty of having a premium seat, you know, whatever that means yeah. in our assemblies. Um, but it can look in different ways because it is drawing attention to ourselves, glorifying and 
instead of glorifying God and drawing attention to God, we draw attention to ourselves. And sometimes that can appear in a way when we, we hear people complain about how busy they are in the Lord's work. Um, you know, I've got, you know, I visited, I was at the hospital until midnight last night. But the way that it's presented is so that I don't know, so that you're praised, yeah, um, yeah. rather than um, God is honored. Um, and so I think we should be careful about the way that we um, present our, our busyness sometimes yeah. in the Lord's work. We complain about how much time we spend this week at the moment, or working on class, or doing something. You know, we're doing it for the love of God. It's a joy. Right, and exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at the look at me kind of thing. Again, and and you know, it's interesting. Again, in Matthew five, uh, Jesus says, "Let your light so shine that others may see your heavenly Father and glorify God." So there is a difference between I'm letting my light shine so you see me, and I'm letting my light shine so you see God. And, and major difference between the two. Yeah, great. Oh, extremely. I think if you study a lot of the kings of the divided kingdom, some of the worst of them, when they decided to humble themselves before the Lord, were spared greatly. Exactly. Guys that you would never imagine would be spared when they decided, you know what, I I should humble myself before the Lord. Yeah. Uh, That that means a lot. So the lack thereof in a leader, not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there needs to be a dependency on God, and that no matter who we are, we're not any better than anybody else, and we're just as flawed. And Jesus really presents that right here. You know, you guys go around doing all this business, and inside you is uh, you're you're like an unmarked grave, <laughs> and yet everybody's going rabbi, rabbi. Oh boy, yeah, exactly. John wasn't dressed so great, was he? <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's a good point. Again, is is that's where the emphasis is, where it's uh, uh, the the emphasis is on. There's a basically a dress code, and therefore, if anybody comes in from the world, they're they're going to feel uh, very very out of it and uh, not accepted. Uh, and I've uh, in in years past, I'm glad I'm not seeing that as much today. But in years past, there's been people I had to chase back out of the building. They walked in, took one look, and walked back out. 
because they weren't dressed like the sea of suits <laughs> that they were seeing, and they they felt they felt rejected. Uh, so it it is it is important again how how we're going to do that. Moderation is always a great word, isn't it? <laughs> Moderation, and uh, when he talks about even dress in First Timothy two, he talks about doing so moderately. That's what the word modest indicates. It's a moderate type of thing. There's not too much, and there's definitely not too little, but there is moderation. All right, look at this next one, verse 45. This is also interesting. One of the lawyers, uh, remember lawyer is a scribe. Luke tends to refer to them as lawyers. One of the lawyers answered him, teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. Is that a little chuckle there? <laughs> Can you just imagine that? Well, hey, don't you know who we are? <laughs> you just insulted us too. So Jesus says, well, okay, let me go off on you for a little while. Verse uh, 46, and he said, Woe to you lawyers also, for you, had, you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of them you will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary, yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hinder those who are coming. And he went away from there. Uh, he went away from there. The scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. So you, you can see how well they received his words. <laughs> not, not very well. Uh, all right, so uh, let's just take each of these one by one. You load burdens hard to bear. You yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. What does that mean? I mean, there's an obvious, yeah, you load, but how are they loading things hard to bear on people? Think of examples. Well, yeah, exactly. They, they, would, they would preach things and everything. This is the way you ought to be. But probably a lot of this would be secretly. You know, secretly they really weren't doing them. But they would try to emphasize that you all had to do this, and yet where they weren't really, really doing it. Uh, maybe later on the idea in, uh, later in Luke of pressing to give uh, like the widow who gives, uh, um, uh, you know, two mites and, you know, oh yeah, pressing that, but they're not going to give that kind of way. Uh, Adam. Yeah, I, I think uh, some examples here could be they, they've managed between the scribes and Pharisees to come to a position where they are relatively wealthy um, and they create burdens related to adherence to the law that are costly. Uh, whether that's such strict adherence to what they define as work that they make it difficult for people who don't have servants to, to do all this work on you know, essentially Friday to get everything ready so that no work was done on the Sabbath 
Um, but you and I don't have servants. We're day laborers. We're working all day, yeah. the day before the Sabbath. But they've defined work so broadly that I can't even lift something heavier than an egg or stoke a fire or yeah. do anything like that. Well, how do I feed my family? How do I care for anyone if work is defined so broadly that if I didn't have someone take care of all of that for me while I was doing my, my day laboring, what are we going to do on the Sabbath? Um, and I think giving was an aspect of that, but there were so many ways in which they made, they purposefully hedged um, their definition of acceptable service in such a way that they made it more difficult to serve and therefore discouraged service from those that weren't in the same position that they were. Yeah, and very true. And do you may remember, I've mentioned this a few times, so I'm trying to get you to remember it too. Uh, uh, Joseph is telling us uh, on average how many Pharisees there were in Israel at any given time. About 6,000. So that's, that's kind of funny, isn't it? Only 6,000. You know why? Because you couldn't live, and this is what Adam's talking you couldn't live and do all the things that they were trying to emphasize to do and, uh, and, and actually work for a living. You know, it was just overwhelming. And so that, they, this was the idea. They had so many meticulous little things that, uh, that they required. Even the Sabbath thing, you know, you're not supposed to travel on the Sabbath. Uh, and, and yet... You could, you could go seven-eighths of a mile, approximately. That's what they figured was the distance between the outer, outer part of the camp in, in the tabernacle days to the tabernacle itself, which was sort of the inside the camp. So you can travel seven-eighths of a mile. So if they needed to travel on the Sabbath, they would, the day before or so, or even on a permanent basis, have little way stations that were seven-eighths of a mile away so that they could travel out to the next way station and have a little, they'd have a little lean-to and a little tent, some bread and some water, and they could travel there, sit down, eat some bread and water. Oh, this is my home. I can travel seven-eighths of a mile more. And so they, they, could, they could get where they wanted to go if they needed to. There was just a lot of little crazy things that they would come up with in order to get around the very thing that they would tell everybody they had to do. So that, that and, and as Adam mentioned, a lot of these other things. Yes, ma'am. Exactly, and, and there really wouldn't be any mercy to be shown to others. And they and the Sadducees could kick you out of the synagogue, and if you got kicked out of the synagogue, then you couldn't even buy and sell. Uh, nobody would deal with you. And so there was a lot of things like that that were just overwhelming that went, went on. And then he's, he, he goes on to say in verse 47, you build the tombs of the prophets. This is kind of a hard one. Luke uh, words this differently. Uh, you build the tombs of the prophets with whom your fathers killed. So your witnesses that you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them and you build their tombs. 
So in what way are they consenting to the deeds of the Father? You know, here's Isaiah's tomb over here, and they're elaborating and building the tomb. Oh, we wouldn't have been like our fathers who killed Isaiah and all of this, and so they're fancy this. And he says, you're, you're, you're testifying, you're, you're witnesses of the fact that you consent with the killing of Isaiah by building his tomb and doing that. You catch what he's saying there? I do catch what you're saying there. <laughs> I, I look at this somewhat differently. Okay. Um, it seems to me that what he's saying is you rely on what these prophets said to prove your points. So you elevate them and their word and say this is a legitimate burden we place on you or this is a legitimate belief or principle because this is what Isaiah said or Jeremiah said. And so you build these monuments to them, their tombs. You, you, you memorialize them. And it was your fathers who killed them. And, um, and then you rely on them. Um, so it, it, that's the way I... And, oh, I, I agree with you. And I would just add one point. And you don't do what... You don't do what they say. So, you, you know, you're just as rebellious as they are, and you're sitting there building their tomb, and it's, as you said, it's your fathers who did it, and you're still acting like your fathers. So there's such a hypocrisy here that, that is going on, of you know, making these elaborate uh, things like that. It's, it's crazy. Okay, and then um, uh, this, this last part is one of the hardest parts to explain. Uh, I will send them, verse 49, I will send them prophets, apostles, some of them will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from foundation of the world may be charged against this generation and the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Uh, so he, he went from A to Z there, it just so happens it's from A to Z in the English, but, but he goes from, you killed Abel, and then Zechariah, one of the last prophets, is, is murdered. And all the blood that's been shed in between is going to come upon this generation. Do you remember in the Old Testament where he said that the iniquity of the fathers would be given to the, uh, given to the next generations of those who hate me? In other words, he's saying, I'm building it up, I'm building it up, I'm building it up, I'm building it up. And so all the blood that's ever been shed then comes on this generation. They will have not learned from all the previous generations, and all this will come upon them. And what will God do to this generation? What's he going to do to them? He's going to wipe them out. That's right. It's going to be the end of Israel. And never to be rebuilt. Don't think the Israel today has a rebuilding of Israel. It is not. Because there's no temple. There's no Israel. <laughs> See, it isn't the same. It's just a physical country that calls itself Israel. But there is no Israel. And never has been after 70 AD. It's all gone. And so he destroys them completely because he is placed on them. The blood of the previous generation keeps building up and building up and building up. And they kill Jesus. And so, bam. Enough. And that's the end. And it's, it's a really strong uh, uh, message that he, that he gives here. And then that final thing, you, get, you take away the key of knowledge. <laughs> You're not studying the Bible right and you don't teach it right because all you do is meticulously look at the tithe of, the, of these little things and you neglect the love of God. And, and it, it's everything that I'm supposed to be about.
is the love of God. So all that fits together. Very, very strong, strong words he gives. Yeah. And on top of that, to make it worse, they sure are loving all the benefits that come with love. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why they wanted to kill Jesus, because they love all the benefits they had from the power they had uh, in, in that nation. And so he's going to come mess it all up. That's exactly right. All right, very, very good. Yeah. I just can't help but point out an interesting phrase. That last sentence, the last part of the sentence, of the sentence in verse 52, where it says, You yourselves do not enter, and you hinder those who are entering. I can't help but think of Romans chapter 1. At the end of the chapter, when, when he talks about this, he lists of ungodly things that people do, um, the people without God do. And, and then the last of that list, he says, And those who heartily consent to these things. They're included in the system of people who are lost. Yeah. And that principle just That's right. reverberates for me that we can hinder people from entering or we can show our consent for, for the world. And in either case, we're keeping people. Hindering them anyway. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that, that Romans 132 is, uh, <laughs> he's condemning not only those who do such things, but those who also approve of the things they do. Good point. All right. Uh, by the way, I, I, we have, you know, we have another class back there, and so we, we're pretty scattered here. I would like to, on this class, everybody, let's move back a little bit, at least so we can hear each other better, be a little bit better, okay? I, I try to keep pushing this thing back, but that would be helpful, I think, for our class. All right, thank you.